Warning. You are about to listen to another episode of the Skulls of Wrath Weekly Podcast. A podcast with a heavy focus on heavy metal. Be vigilant and visit skullsofwrath.com to view the content of previous episodes and to scope out their activity on the social media platforms, Facebook, Spotify, Twitter and YouTube. Proceed with caution, and listener discretion is advised. Is advised. Is advised. Is advised. Warning. Hey everybody out there, this is Donnie Van Stavern from Riot 5. You're slamming your head to Skulls of Wrath, so stay here and rock out. Shine on. Alright, hello and welcome to the Skulls of Wrath weekly podcast, episode number 10. Can you believe we've got to double digits? Whoa. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening. My name is Dale, and you can go check us out at scarsofwrath.com. It's kind of a website slash blog, really, more than anything else. All our show notes, I guess what they call them, all the sort of the articles, that everything that's sort of linked to each episode. We've got like a post for each episode. They call it show notes in the, in the biz. That's all there. Uh, also, know we have a Facebook and a Twitter and a YouTube uh, channel. And you can go do things there, but I wouldn't bother myself. Just know that they're there. Know that this is, we're just sort of following these social media trends of all sorts of other sort of podcasty bollocksy uh, outlets that do these sorts of things. Uh, and be happy in that knowledge. Here we go. How about that? All right. So, moving on now. Uh, I'm reasonably excited today. It's kind of, you know, double-edged sword. I do have an interview for you. Donovan Straven, he's from the American power metal band Riot. Oh, as, as since 2012, they've been known as Riot Five. Written down as Riot V, if you see it on a poster or something on the on the album. Uh, v for Roman numeral five. And the, the, the funny thing about it is, this is many months old now. It's, I've been waiting I have to sort of brush the dust off this thing. It's so old. But uh, talked to them just before their 2018 album uh, Armor of Light was released, and that was end of April when that came out. So it's been a little wee while, so I should have got this out a long time before now, but finally got this thing up and running, we're on iTunes and all that sort of stuff, all, all over the place. What we're going to do is with that interview, we're going to front load this uh, thing over, this podcast, with it, so if you want to listen to, or so if you want to listen to it uh, early on, then don't worry, we're going to chuck it on quite early on. If you're a fan of Riot, if you're a fan of uh, Donnie himself, or Blaze, bass players, or even just Americans talking, I guess, then uh, uh, we're going to put it up the front, so that you don't have to wade through too much, but we've got a question I'm going to answer. Then we've got a an interview. We're going to play the interview, and then what we're going to do is we're going to jump into some some news, news roundup, and a record label roundup, which is a slightly retooled music section from previous episodes. So stay tuned for uh, more babble on that a little bit later on. But uh, coming up now, though, now that you've checked out scuzzofwrath.com and said, "Oh yeah, I see what he's meaning by not flocking to this website." Oh crikey! Oh, is it that guy who does this? Oh. The question I have for you today, now because, as I mentioned, we are now being distributed, I guess, through all the podcast networks that you have uh, online, iTunes and all that sort of stuff, I, I've got an Android phone in it, and I've got a, a podcast app from that, which I never use. <laughs> it's full of podcasts, they've got the Jamie Jester one, there's a, uh, there's 90%, 90% of them are metal ones, I think Bill Burr's one's on there for some reason. I never watch his, uh, listen to his podcast, but watch his stand-up. Anyway. Uh, I thought I'd check out Scars of Wrath just once we uploaded, and uh, it's, it's on there. It's on Android for some reason, it's, it's, and it's reasonably 
like up to date. I think at some point I, I was mucking around with the audio files and it had more <laughs> episodes to listen to than the actual official iTunes, which was funny. Anyway, through all that, I think somewhere it's either through the iTunes side of things or the, the news feed that we got to pump out or even just on YouTube. I think we used the hashtag somewhere along the line. Use the hashtag podcast and sort of got looped into, I guess, the general sort of tag of things. I imagine some sort of automated reply kind of situation came through, but it was like a question, which is kind of funny. I was asking about XLR microphones in regards to podcasting. Uh, a bit long-winded, you know. Hello, my name is such and such, and I do this, and everything now. It's appeared to be uh, experienced in the, way of, in the world of podcasting. Okay, so first part, I wanted to bring it up because... Uh, this being a heavy metal podcast, heavy metal fans tend to be quite active. It's a it's a proactive genre. It's it's a genre that inspires activity in its fans, either to to become musicians themselves or other facets of the music side of things. I guess uh, like this, talking into a microphone needlessly. Um, so chances are that some people out there, if you're a metal fan, are going to be at least a little bit familiar with what an XLR microphone kind of basically is, if not intimately familiar. And so, I mean, it's obviously if you're a professional broadcaster, if you're a professional musician, or musician in general, uh, combining different sources of audio, vocals, musician, uh, musical instruments, all sorts of things, and sort of pumping it out through some sort of PA, sort of real time, or broadcasting it through without too much muckery is sort of how it works. That's, that's what it's there for. In terms of podcasting, I do know, this is the second part of it, I do know that there is. Uh, common or popular sentiment that essentially you need XLR microphones in order to do a professional level podcast or something. To which I say, no, of course you bloody don't. All you need is just the audio file, the audio source, the audio whatever. If you have a MP3, a wave, a bloody a sound file of someone talking, and you know how to just manipulate that and you can put it together, there's your podcast. Doesn't matter where it's come from. Sure, XLR microphones help if you want to sort of get a bunch of people together and you've got a whole bunch of different things and you already pre-set up with the buttons and the this. Maybe if you want to do an intro like I did at the start of all this and this and the other thing. You want, you want to do a little live or you're broadcasting professionally some way, shape or form. Fine. Fine. That's, that's uh, when you might need it. But if you're just going to be pumping this out onto the internet, you know, a day or two later on, it's all going to get edited. It's all going to get, uh, you know, the audio is going to go through the screening thing, you know, noise reductions and this, that and the other thing, and uh, normalization and, you know, add this, that and the other thing you know, my interview is an mp3 file sitting on the computer that's been in there for what, since April? You know what I mean? So it's, no, you don't need XLR microphones to have a podcast, even a reasonably good sounding podcast, if you, main idea is if you've got the idea it's like kind of, uh, you know, if you know what you want to talk about if you've got a good idea to get across as long as it's you know, you're happy to sort of muck around and you sort of know what you're doing in terms of uh, fiddling around with a bit of audio and uh, placement and multi-track diddly-doos. Fine. Who cares? Doesn't matter. End of the day. But end of the day, no. It is not. It is not impossible to put out one of these things without XLR microphones. I do not own an XLR microphone. And I've got one of these things. Uh, that's, that's not really sort of helping my point though, is it? Anyway. Moving on now. So that's our question as exciting as it was if you've got any more questions for yourself uh, uh, if you've got any questions uh, of your own to ask me then uh, wrath at gmail.com or uh, any of our Facebook 
Twitter, YouTube, even the website, I think you can comment there. Pretty sure YouTube has a comments section of some description. So that's a bit of sarcasm. On to my interview now. So what I have for you today is, uh, as I alluded to uh, about uh, half a dozen times, my many months old interview with Donovan Straven. Uh, now this guy, now since 1986, I believe he's been the bass player for the long-running kind of East Coast, I guess, power metal slash heavy metal band Riot. Known up since 2012, Riot 5. Now the band itself started back in the mid-70s launched and sort of driven mainly by the guitarist and creative force for most of the band's career, Mark Riel, who is the sole consistent and original founding member of the band right up until his death in 2012. Tragic passing. Up until that point, the band had released a whopping 14 albums and seemingly relatively consistent throughout the decades, despite what you might think of, of you know, grunge sort of having its sway on the, on the music scene in the 90s. But the band determined to keep Mark Real's dream alive. Uh, various members uh, got together and forged on, adding five, or the Roman numeral V for five, at the end of the name. Although, to be fair, I think in some markets around the place, I think in like Japan and Europe or somewhere, they're still technically, legally, in terms of record labels, known as Riot. But if you see a Riot V, it's Riot 5. So my interview with Donny, like I said, took place just ahead of the release of the band's 16th studio album, the album called uh, Armour of Light. Uh, I believe that was released at the end of April, so this interview likely took place in April sometime. And as of uh, October 2018, now, when this has been recorded, the band is on a massive European tour with Primal Fear and a handful of other bands I think supporting. As well as uh, I saw recently that they were announced as uh, part of the lineup for 70,000 tons of metal. A massive metal cruise that's sort of been going through all these years for 2019. So things are looking up and up for the band. Now, uh, as I mentioned, so the 2018 album Armor of Light, this album spawned at least one music video proper and up to four lyric videos. They put one out just recently, all of which I'll put on a playlist and that'll be up on the show notes on skullsofwrath.com for this episode. Uh, keyword probably or tagged under Riot, Riot V, or Donny Van Straven, or episode 10. Last mucking around, here's my interview with Donny. This is Skulls of Wrath. Let's get into it. Oh man, sorry, sorry, it's a little late getting uh, Skype turned on and all that stuff. But anyway, we're having a hell of a snowstorm here in New York right now, so I hope I don't pet out. <laughs> so yeah, we're doing all right. We're in New York, you know, getting ready to leave Japan tomorrow, so. Uh, uh, we're we're uh, sitting here doing the final rehearsal soon and then heading out to the Orient. Uh, you guys are, well, I mean, if I'm being honest, i got to say that I haven't really heard much about you guys, about the band. But it seems that wherever you guys land, like in Europe or, yeah, Japan, you guys are just huge. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's one of them things where... We had the cult band status, you know, in America always. We were like the answer to the new wave of British heavy metal, but over here on the state side. So, you know, back in the day, you know, the band had a lot of recognition. But, you know, as the times are changing, um, you know, the market over here is getting saturated with, you know, a younger kind of vibe. And, and uh, you know, a lot of uh, younger artists are coming out, rap artists and whatnot. But one thing about Europe, it's uh, always been good back in the day and it's still good today. And so uh, a lot of our fan bases 
American popularity still lies overseas, and so that's why we do a lot, a lot of uh, touring over there, a lot of our business over there. Um, it's just great. You know, we, we can uh, we can go over to Japan and be Judas Priest for the day, you know, and, and uh, Greece and be super huge. And it's, it's really cool, you know. But we have to travel thousands of miles to get on that level. Uh, but yeah, it's it's great. We always had a great relationship with Europe and. You know, we got great things happening this year too to continue on over there. So it's it's quite awesome. I read a story recently about the release. I think it was of the second record. That um, so probably just before you joined the band, I think. I think that's how that works. But I believe it was Capitol Records at the time who refused to release that album. But such was the upsurge of fan support, I guess that their hands were tied and they just had to give in the band has a lot of history <laughs> i know you're I'm not sure how familiar you are with how it goes back to the late 70s but yeah i mean um a lot of trials and tribulations for this band management labels um the staying power of the band i think is the the, the musicianship lineups and the songs that they've been released uh you know been releasing consistently good music i think what keeps them alive you know um dating back to rock city like you said this the, uh, uh narita you know and fire down under consistent with guy and then you know when they added Rhett, you know you got the two born in america restless breed great records and then you know that my era started in 1988 with the thunder still where we, we changed gears and we started doing a little bit more power metal um but one thing Mark used to say, the longevity of a band is through good music, and that's why I think Riot has staying power and has always been able to move forward um, through all the changes and problems. We've always been able to put out quality music, you know. Um, even when I was quite young, you know, when I was a fan of the band before I joined, I had a few of the records. I thought they were a great band. The music was great. So it was quite the honor to, to get asked to join them back in the, in the early 80s. Um, but yeah, the band has quite some history. We have, you know, over a dozen records out, 16, 17 records out, tons of bootlegs and live records. And so um, for us moving forward and uh, being able to move forward with the fans uh, still wanting to hear the band and us being able to pick up uh, and get on a label like Nuclear Blast and breathe life in the band and keep, you know, keeping everything moving forward is quite an accomplishment for a band, uh, you know, 40 years old in age, you know, of... Uh, the history of the band you know and of course a couple members in the band to date me and mike flints are in our 50s now so it's quite rewarding knowing that um, the history lives on um you know through what we've been through even band members uh you know the passing away you know we had a lot of key members that have uh, you know, uh not with us anymore so um it's awesome that we're able to still move forward and i think it's because maybe the music people can relate to it we have a fan base that's just uh incredible it makes us want to move forward you know of course we couldn't do it without people listening to us so it's quite rewarding and that's why we're still doing it at, at this stage of the game yeah yeah as as you say there's a good amount of history with the band and i guess you know coming out of all that there's so much upheaval and lineup changes and everything else going on with the band and of course that's reflected in your new name that you've been going with for a couple of years now but i'm just wondering with with all that in mind and of course the the founder and mastermind behind the band Sound, Mark Real, who, as you alluded to, tragically passed away some years ago. I was wondering how 
you as the I guess the current the, the modern lineup of the band keepers sort of attitude and ideas about music I guess uh, you know alive as you move forward yeah I mean it's you know it's uh, besides you know us you know uh, a passion for us you know keeping keeping the legacy going we have so much history with Mark you know before like I said before uh, I actually joined I was a fan of the band and I became friends with Mark back in uh, in the early 80s I was in a Texas band and he would come down from New York and play with the band and we, we got a friendship going and um, we ended up you know uh, jamming with him basically and that's where the friendship began and uh, it went from that to you know uh, writing music and we would write music together and do things and hang out together and then uh, it turned into uh, us doing a solo band with him called Narita for a while and so um, while he was on hiatus from Riot born in America he would perform with uh, my Texas band it was a, a band called Slayer not this LA Slayer but it was a different Slayer we had a couple records out and that's where our relationship began with Mark and so uh, we were friends we were best friends and then we started making music together and, uh, you know, after the solo band, um, he uh, went back with uh, Riot. And, uh, of course, you know, Kip Lemming didn't want to continue, the bassist from uh, Fire Down Under. So they called me. You know, Mark uh, said, you know, Don's uh, in my solo band. He's a great songwriter and bass player. So I, I joined the band with Mark. So, you know, then I became, you know, a member of Riot in 84. And so that's where I started. And I learned a lot of things from Mark. Um, uh, he told me how to write a good song and a good melody besides aggressive music. And so that's what I learned. And that's what I take with me now when I write music. I kind of have that frame of mind that uh, that Mark um, taught me. You know, he said, make a song well-rounded. You know, don't just play a barrage of notes, but um, be able to, like, structure a song. So that's what we kind of take with us now. You know, he taught us a lot. Um, uh, he was more like a mentor, too, when we joined. You know, besides being a friend, he was... Um, he would teach me a little bit of creating a great song. So we take that attitude as we move forward, you know, and we do channel that as we continue on with Riot. We try to please the fans. And I kind of think, you know, how Mark would, you know, have done things. He had a formula that worked. And so we continue on. And, um, you know, um, I try to write stuff that Riot fans will appreciate. Uh, young and old, you know, we, of course, we want to please the older fans. But we also want to touch on the... Uh, the newer fans that's why we have a little bit more aggressive style and so um you know after uh, i joined and riot turned power metal you know um i left for a while and mike flinch joined and they they did an era with mike DeMeo. so um what happened was is i figured when we continued on after the unfortunate passing of mark it's kind of like the fifth chapter of the band that's what the five's about it's like the fifth chapter because each era had a chapter all their own. Like, you know, the first chapter was Guy Sparan. It was more the hard, heavy rock. And then when Rhett joined, chapter two was more the southern rock, but hard. And then when Tony Moore joined with me and Bobby, my first years with the ride, that was more the power metal movement. And then, of course, you know, when I left for a while and Mike Flint's carried on with Mark, it was the fourth chapter with more of uh, the Mike DeMeo, you know, had that kind of Yngwie-ish rainbow flair to it. And then, you know, the fifth chapter, as we continue, um, we got Todd Michael Hall with the voice and the styles has changed a little bit more. I channel my past, you know, errors in the thunder still privilege of power writing and Mike continues on with his 
his style of writing. So um, that being said, you know, uh, we all, you know, channel through Mark's uh, teachings uh, of music to us back in the day, but we use our own flair from our eras. And that's how we came up with the Raya 5. We want to we have a little bit of our styles uh, from our eras, you know, and channel Mark's writing. And then we got Todd Michael Hall singing. So we think that we came up with, you know, with a style that people are starting to like and uh, move forward with. So we're, we're quite proud of the new record. We think the sound is it's aggressive but melodic in, in the in the riot tradition. So I think that we're keeping the tradition going. Now, I must congratulate you on the new album. Uh, so it's only the new track, Victory, which is what I've heard, and it really is a, a monster song. And I gotta say, it seems to be quite fitting for uh, to be coming out of Nuclear Blast Records at the moment because they seem to be making a habit of just grabbing these quality bands and just releasing monster albums you know like monster tracks out of these guys yeah when uh you know when we had the transition period you know um after our contracts were up with the last label spv you know uh we did immortal soul and then uh, unleashed the fire with them and then after that we had the four four year hiatus because we had to do a lot of changes uh, we had to get new record labels i chart i started handling the band and so when i talked with marcus you know of course he was with nuclear blast um, he was, besides being the, the PR head over there, he was quite the Riot fan. So he had a vision for the band, and uh, it was kind of matched what I wanted to do with the band. You know, stepping forward, still having that, you know, the uh, that legendary quality about it, but I wanted to move forward so we can compete with a lot of the newer bands. So we wanted to make a aggressive record um, for Nuclear Blast, and... Um, uh, so we ended up writing stuff like I wrote Victory First. It was one of the first songs I wrote. Um, and I thought this was a, be a good representation of the band coming out of the shoot so, to show them what Raya 5 is going to be about. Um, and Marcus agreed, and that was his first uh, pick for it to come out. He wanted something that kind of showed the, the the muscle of the band musically, but, you know, the melodic side of it, too, with Todd's vocals. You know, it's something that's... Uh, sounds vintage judas priest but um you know has that has that flair to with a great vocal aggressive music so that's that's kind of what the whole record is we like to have you know aggressive music very nice melodies and courses that you can sing along to you know we, we want to have it very uh, a very aggressive record but very uh, melodic so hopefully that came across in all the songs it's it's definitely a it's definitely a heavy record for Riot. The production quality too is, is is very heavy as well. So I think with a label, with a record like this and a label like Nuclear Blast, it should be able to uh, reach more of the masses and maybe a younger audience as well. I know I'm running low on time right now, but as I said, I am a new fan. I am new to the band. And I'm just curious to know what you can tell me about your mascot. <laughs> Yeah, the the uh, the he's a seal. He's a the, the little white seal we have. He's a harp seal. He's like a snow seal. A lot of people call him the mighty Tior, and then a lot of the newer fans call him Johnny because of the character that we have in songs. So basically, his name is Johnny the Mighty Tior now. He was created by uh, an artist back in the late seventies. He started on Rock City. It was actually the manager producer's brother-in-law, uh, Steve Loeb, uh, his brother-in-law. Steve Weiss, Stephen Weiss, and um, he came up with that abstract thing. 
um, with a, with a uh, muscular body, a, a fighter body with a, a seal head on it. It was basically the seals getting back at humanity for clubbing them, but then it just turned into a mascot and kind of like a folklore figure for the band, and it just stuck. Um, he's very quirky looking. You know, a lot of people think it's, uh, you know, kind of strange. And a lot of people, you know, don't like them. They say we have great music with bad album covers. But one thing's for sure, when you see him, you kind of associate him with the band. You know, you see that face and that's Riot. So we decided to keep the character moving forward, the fifth chapter, because we said, well, he's identifiable. But like the music, let's make him more aggressive now. Instead of so cute and just a seal head, let's make him ferocious with a muscular body and an axe. And so... It kind of represents us like we're moving forward with the sound, the record label, you know, and the aggressiveness of the band. So there you have the seal. He's not as cute anymore. He's a little more angry. So <laughs> so hopefully uh, people can dig the new uh, new vibe that he's putting out. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to my interview there. If you want to know more, then scuzzofrath.com is a place to go. Uh, Riot 5 is a band that uh, a lot of people, wherever they, wherever they land, as I mentioned, they get a lot of fans, so... I imagine if they ever announced a Antipodean, an Australian-slash-New Zealand tour, they would be... I don't know. Be good to see? Okay, oh, I don't know. Anyway, moving on to news now. Uh, first, recently, I saw this uh, a company called Believe Digital acquired a majority stake in Nuclear Blast Records. Now I bring that up because we deal with uh, the local uh, Nuclear Blast Records guys down here a little bit, or can do, or will do eventually. But it's sort of an interesting thing because Nuclear Blast is such a massive, and certainly has been for a long time, and just increasingly so over the past couple of years with just signing after signing and massive release after massive release just coming out of these guys, uh, just sort of nurturing the sort of the, the international, the sort of the big global sort of metal scene as a whole and to sort of see sort of majority stake in some sort of businessy sense be sort of purchased by like this uh, Believe Digital, what are they, French? I think I saw somewhere they sort of they deal with a lot with digital music rights or something, I'm not too sure so it's going be interesting to see what where that sort of takes Nuclear Blast and what happens there so you know, keep an eye on that situation I guess you know, you've so many bands with the nuclear blast. Anyway, that aside, it's just like, uh, keep an eye on this uh, coming up. Uh, sort of a gig announcement, which is what we don't really sort of touch on too much these days. But uh, massive bands at the gates, The Haunted and Witchery, they announced, uh, a, I guess, a, a triple co headlining tour of Australia for uh, April 2019. Just wanted to bring this up just in case uh, any Kiwi fans were keen to head over the ditch. You start saving your pennies now. So it's coming in April, so it's not too far after uh, download over there. So, you know, get your uh, passports up to date. But also, uh, I mean, I say, you know, saving up to go over there. But if you happen to be over there at the time, if you're like, I could do with a holiday in April in 2019 over in Australia. Well, at the gates haunted the witchery. At witchery, we're going to be over there. You know, maybe you could coincide something over there. Just saying, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, our third news piece today is interesting uh, because um, well, it involves Megadeth, and as soon as I say it, you're probably like, oh, I know what it's talking about. 
Well, they recently really announced uh, a week or two back, really, a well, the plan to sort of launch a new cruise ship-based festival called Mega Cruise. And I saw recently there's a whole bunch of bands that just signed up. They're like, yes, please. <laughs> you got, uh, I think Anthrax and Testament and a whole bunch of other big names sort of being like putting their hands up for it. And everyone's loving these uh, metal festivals on the, on, the, on the cruise ships these days. Damn, are these American metal fans just just have too much money or something to that? I don't know what's going on there. Anyway, I mean, apart from Mega Cruise being a terrible name for it, I think personally, I mean, Cruise of Death. Uh, sorry, Death Cruise is what I was thinking. Death Cruise, you know, D E T H Cruise, Death Cruise, Cruise Death. No, Death Cruise. I guess probably you could probably really kind of call it that too much, but. I don't know, this is the sort of today's environment, but I mean, just sort of Mega Cruise is, kind of sounds like Tom Cruise's final form or something, I don't know, but it doesn't quite sound like too funny, it's a little bit funny of a name, but better name, Keg of Death, Keg of Death, where they've, uh, the band have also announced, I guess, their next tour on land, which was sort of a metal and a beer travelling festival, I think, I don't know, what I didn't look into it, I just saw Keg of Death and went, that's an awesome name! If I was in the States, I'd go to it. I guess because the whole craft beer thing over there is getting big or something. I, I don't know. Anyway, that's, that's sort of rounding up our news, really, for a little bit. Sort of Music news is sort of a hard one, because unless you're talking about new album releases and that sort of stuff, it's like, meh. Uh, but I just want to touch on some things I saw relentlessly posted on social media, which we won't be talking about. Corn and Nickelback reading mean tweets on Jimmy Kimmel, the program. Nope. Insane clown posse member type person trying to and failing uh, drop kick Fred Durst while he's on stage. I have a joke saying that he failed because maybe magnets caused him to miss, and that's a bit of a joke. But we won't be talking about that. And uh, Nirvana's uh, members, surviving members, reuniting and uh, doing a thing somewhere because I'm pretty sure the rock stations around the world have that pinned up in a bow and repeated ad nauseum throughout the day so if you're at work and you have to suffer through commercial rock radio you probably don't want to hear me talking about those things so that's our news kind of wrapped up nicely there uh, in a way but uh, we've got a record label roundup now so this is what we're going to do it's a slightly retooled segment where we're Borrowing the name from a previous uh, segment I had on one of my other podcasts. And we're going to look into new albums and new music videos only. We're dropping any uh, official audio tracks or lyric videos or anything like that. It's just coming too much. Even even the, the scale that this is. This is, you know, we're just not even including albums. We're looking at sort of 20 plus releases each sort of any, in any given week you know around the world and this, this, is not, this is just sort of touching on some of the ones we can get our hands on let alone every single one but I wanted to sort of include or bring back we had metal homework but I wanted to bring back sort of the idea of, of album releases because it's such more of a monumental sort of uh, situation like releasing a, a new track and this and the other thing from an album was yeah sure fine but I mean so the, the wave of things just sort of coming out all the time is just by the time an album comes out or whatever you know it's you release a music video or the, the lyric video and it's you know and if it's sort of a band you're not sort of it's not in your line of sight constantly you've sort of almost forgotten about it 
uh, a little while later on. So albums are the big things, and music videos are slightly sort of more intense as well in terms of the band putting it together and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's only better than just sort of words scrawling across the uh, screen, but so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll focus on those two things there. So first up today, we've got to Chthonic. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. A Crimson Skies Command. There's a new music video, which is coming from Battlefields of Asura. Uh, which is also out now as well. So these uh, guys are from Taiwan. They're a metal band, infamous. So these guys are possibly independent. This next one. So we've got Witch Casket. Their song, uh, album title, song Punishment, which should be due up by the time you listen to this. There's a performance piece, uh, but it's with a slight sort of interesting twist to it. Uh, just a slight twist. I feel like <laughs> it's one of those ones you sort of give yourself a little. Oh yeah, look at, yeah, look at that. Um, it's okay. So. There's uh, possibly the pennant through minus head records. All hail the Yeti. I really got into these guys on the one of the I think it's their first album, first like full length. But they've released uh, the Nuclear Dust from the album Highway Crosses due out in mid November. All hail the Yeti. This is sort of a performance piece, but also uh, oh, kind of but behind the scenes in the studio, I guess as they're putting their album together. K Scope Records with Tesseract. This song Juno from Sunder, which is out now. What are these guys? British Progressive. They're a fan of Tesseract. They've been around for a wee while. I think I actually had an interview with one of the guys some time ago. I think. Oh, I can't remember. It was, it was a Tesseract type band, I remember. Metal Blade now. Monsters at Metal Blade. Amarna Marth. Amarna Marth. Uh, Twilight of the Thunder Gods. This is a live track. This is coming from a live album that they're putting out. The Pursuit of Vikings, 25 years in the eye of the storm. Throughout mid-November. Now, unlike uh, a track we might discuss later on, this appears to be completely live. So it's... I mean, at first you're wondering whether the... I guess they've got sort of good sort of audio engineering involved, and this kind of sounds like it might be 100% live. But uh, other times it does. So it's, you know, maybe just they're just that good. Century Media Nows, uh, they have released a Witherfall. Um, this is the, the record video. I don't quite recall this one, actually. Moment of Silence from A Prelude of Sorrow. Throughout early November, maybe that's why. Silence. You talk about metal and adding in silence and sorrow. Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, Nuclear Blast Records now. We've mentioned them earlier in the news, but they, um, they've, uh, another live release with Accept and they've got Balls to the Wall as a live track from them this is uh, Symphonic Terror live at Viking 2017 uh, there's a couple of German sort of thrash metal bands called Teutonic Terrors you know like the, the top four whatever this is that's their sort of so Symphonic Terrors that we play on that if you weren't aware uh, and this is them with a orchestra behind them not the first time this has happened and uh, I believe this is off the cuff stuff. If I get anything wrong, just let me know. But uh, I think it's Wolf Hoffman, their guitar player, or something or other. He's, he's big into uh, classical music. I think he, he even put out his own spin on classical uh, classical album. I think it's all on guitar. I think oh, I can't remember exactly what it was now. Was it traditional? Oh, I can't remember what it was. Anyway, he's he's done. He's he's the guy. Who looks like Bruce Willis. Uh, Metal Church, they've released uh, Damned If You Do, that's a, a, a music video single from the album, I think this is a second album, back with their new, with their uh, frontman uh, Mark Howe, 
think that's what it is. Anyway, album of the same name uh, coming out. Who knows when? I don't have it written down. But uh, for fans out there, for Metal Church fans out there, it's sort of this new one, Damned If You Do, is touted as being kind of a mix between Blessing in Disguise and The Human Factor. Fans know what I'm talking about there. <laughs> uh, album here now from Relapse Records. Outer Heaven. This is old school death metal uh, out of the States. Uh, Realms of Eternal Decay. Well, I just needed to say the album title and you'd be like, oh, that sounds like... Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, this is an interesting one. Time to Kill Records have released a new uh, video from uh, Coffin Birth titled The 13th Apostle. This uh, album uh, called The Serpent Insignia is coming out soon I'll bring it up because there's a, this is kind of a super group featuring members of Hour of Penance Flesh God Apocalypse and Beheaded so hold on to your coffins for that one <laughs> anyway AFM Records have released Gamma Bomb these Irish uh, speed metal thrash metal guys uh, speed between the lines they put out the, some, some sort of monster related video which is uh, a, a, a storied piece it has sort of a story to it about imaginary friends it's kind of odd but it's a gamma bomb for you I guess I don't know uh, Seasons of Mist these guys always sort of put out something good Beyond Creation these are uh, Canadians actually uh, algorithm but they got gory instead of uh, spelling it correctly progressive death metal from Quebec beyond creation and then one of my favorites from the lineup so far well certainly in the top ones benighted finally releasing dog always bites harder than their master this is their sort of anniversary release they've got a cover of uh, it includes a cheeky wee cover in this one so Go check it out. So it's a brutal death grind, real sort of brutal French stuff. Uh, and then finally for the new albums this week, uh, the End Records have put out Terrorizer, classic sort of American uh, grind death band, uh, Caustic Attack. So if you're into that sort of stuff, then go check it out. Go check it out right now. Uh, these sort of worthy mentions that I missed or so-called worthy mentions something's two talks about from last week that I missed these would have been included in the last episode first up we have Trivium they've released The Wretchedness Inside from the album The Sin and Sentence which is out now I mean okay, so we'll start from the start if you don't know who Trivium are then I guess there's no real helping you at the moment because there's sort of easiest way to describe them really this kind of modern metal's answer to Metallica. I know it's a hokey and cliched thing to say about trivia, but essentially that's as accurate as a one-word answer as I can give. Uh, but I sort of wonder what's going on with this video. I know uh, Matt Heffy's been in the news recently for his live streaming music videos, and it's just been getting on my nerves. No end. He does a, a crummy kind of Rack Street Boys or Britney Spears thing and it pops up in my newsfeed half a dozen times like it's sounding like it's when it first started I thought these were official releases like Trivium the band has put out this cover like there are I had missed the news where the, the band were putting out this massive covers album of all these pop songs 
no, he's just standing in the studio, got a doing his thing on a Twitch website, live streaming. So there's that. Well, so this video, this particular video is, uh, I want, I just want you to go see. I put it in there because I want you to go see it, and and just see if you notice the same things that I did, because I'm, I'm saying is, it presents itself as a live performance video, like you stand kind of thing. There's a massive crowds, you know, sort of Vulcan open air. We've mentioned them earlier today. The, the, the sort of size crowds. These massive crowds. There's even shots, uh, you know, silhouetted of the of the guys in the band sort of addressing the crowd and playing to the crowd and stuff like that. But you come to the close-ups of them playing the instruments, of them singing, of them going nuts. And you notice, hold on a sec, there's, there's some clean shots there. That's getting right up into his face there. That, but you running around on stage, blocking the view to the crowd. And uh, not sweaty at all, very nice. Well, I'm saying it, it feels to me like they're sort of trying to present, as I said, that live video, but they're filming all the close ups in the well clean, properly lit, non sweaty versions in the studio somewhere. And they're going sort of great, you can't sort of see behind this thing, you know, it's sort of behind them is all obscured uh, conveniently with the black cloths and all that sort of stuff, I guess. But it's kind of a funny one. It's like, what are you trying to do? It's like you're just trying to cut together sort of two different things. It's like, eh, all right. Do what you want, I guess, but it's, it's not, not just what... Trivium, it's not like they'd be hard-pressed to find footage of them performing live. Why do you need to have these sort of uh, ultra-clean, buddy, Instagram versions of, of them playing in sort of a controlled studio environment when they're a metal band that just put them out on the stage and... Except can do it. Amara Maris can do it. But Trivium, why not? Uh, coming up next, here we go. This is from last week. Uh, Psychroptic. They have a new album out, uh, coming out called As the Kingdom Drowns. They've got a video for a directive. New song. I can't remember entirely what this music video was about. I mean, I did watch through it and sort of, uh, as a sort of uh, one off, a quick hot take, as the kids call it. Notice, uh, I don't know how accurate I'm sort of being here, but it's nice, uh, along with the sort of, I mean, the Tasmanian for a start, but they're, I mean, if you didn't know, Psychoptic, if you're a New Zealand fan and you didn't realise that Psychoptic were from Australia and they're, they're Tasmanian, then, you know, they over here every three or four years. But there's, I did notice there's sort of a bit of a groove element, a bit of an influence, sort of the groove metal side of things sort of coming in, and there's, you know, a few different elements thrown in there, which uh, is always a good thing, I think, sometimes, if you do it well. And do it look good, which I think they have. So there we go. Can't remember what the video is about, to be honest. But uh, might be surprised to say that this band, uh, this uh, album, is uh, seventh from the band. I thought, oh, it's seven already. Oh, that probably sounds about right. Another Australian band now. Uh, this one's called Southeast Desert Metal, or Desert Desert Metal, uh, with the album Rainmaker. This is from an album called Break the Science, which is due out sort of mid to late November. These guys call themselves the world's most isolated metal band. And uh, I can kind of, I know how you feel on that one, buddy. Being uh, a thousand miles, uh, or 1500 k's at least, to, 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 to the main centre of Auckland, down here. Uh, so this is, yeah, so they're what these guys are, in the middle of the Northern Territory. So middle of the desert in Australia. Your classic kind of crocodile Dundee or 
one of one of the other big Australian Priscilla Queen of the Desert. No, that's probably not quite appropriate for this case. But um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, well, apart from the, the, all the sort of the special sort of uh, circumstances they got aside, they're sort of isolated. They're sort of, in, I guess, they're sort of uh, formed and sort of or made up of uh, local Aboriginal, the local Indigenous sort of uh, uh, background to them. Do a good job, and yeah, uh, interesting sort of take on things, I guess, in a way. But uh, it's uh, good to see. Uh, last track I want to talk about tonight is uh, Gwar. They have a new album. Uh, they, well, they have a recent new album without Otis Uringus, Uh The Blood of the Vikings, and this one, Viking Death Machine, comes from that one. It's an interesting uh, kind of uh, rustic, I guess, uh, animated uh, affair, kind of a take on wacky races. Um, I put out a tweet actually uh, about this, or I think it was a Facebook message. It was linked to the tweet, but it was Gore the band liked the accompanying tweet on this. Basically, what it says, uh, I says, I share the video and say, look, here it is, awesome animation style, uh, very sort of Gore really. End of the day, but it um, I said with the you know without odorous, it feels like a different band, and that's uh, something to get used to. Sort of saying, and it really kind of does. The way it's sort of interesting thing. No, I don't. That's that now. Uh, I do have uh, Behemoth mentioned here. Behemoth. Uh, so I want to mention. Uh, I had a quick run through that sort of Behemoth record. Uh, they put out. I loved yet your darkest. What it was called. Uh, you know, it's good. Uh, enjoyed it. It's very Behemothy. What I found out, and then. Uh, the other one I'd like was uh, uh, High on Fire, Electric Messiah. That's a good uh, good one to sort of put through and listen to several times. I think I listened to it two or three times. Then really sort of, it's, you know, again, High on Firing. I think they're sort of on form. I mean, you could talk about both these bands. I think they're both bands, these High on Fire and Behemoth, they're both sort of on form. Uh, it sounds like they've got sort of uh, certainly High on Fire with his uh, crazy sort of lemmy, uh, you know, uh, hallucinations or dreams, whatever he's talking about. He's sort of, you know, got this sort of new fire under him and sort of putting something, uh, something out, sort of reflects that. And sort of Behemoth, sort of, they've just been on Warpath ever since uh, they were a band, I guess, I don't know. But, you know, they sort of become, with Nurgle and all that, and Behemoth, they sort of certainly become the local, uh, the, the current, um, what do you call it? Current thing at the moment. Everyone in their, uh, and the metal website seems to be wanting to have some sort of video with him, and he's doing this and that, and he's having a, uh, he's all over the place, and he can't sort of escape old Nurgle, which uh, there are worse things to be subjected to sometimes. But um, like this podcast, which is ending now, so don't worry. Uh, this has been Skulls of Wrath. We had this interview, so just remembering that if you just sort of waded through uh, half an hour of uh, me rambling on about nonsense. Uh, if you've got questions that you want us to answer for the question segment, question time with Dale start of the podcast uh, send it through like I said Scars of Wrath at gmail.com as well as our Facebook Twitter YouTube all that sort of stuff we have uh, a couple more interviews that I'll uh, dust off and uh, try and get out for you uh, i got at least two more I'm aware of and then after that we'll see about uh, adding more on I guess yeah, just, you know, trying to find some more interview opportunities so we'll see how that goes. Anyway, this has been Scars of Wrath. My name's been Dale, and uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you later. I don't know why people are listening. Look, I've gone to the statistics of the audio 
uh, host thing and people are downloading and listening to this I am I am baffled at say that I don't know why it's kind of pointless from my point of view anyway it's kind of more it's not really sort of the soundbite kind of uh, thing but it's sort of in putting this podcast together it's sort of more I'll edit that out anyway I'll see you later